This episode of Super Pulp Science has been brought to you by Ollie and the Missing Who's, an upcoming kids' book written by Susan Wolf, illustrated by Justin Curry, and edited by Sam Biko. Available online at chasingartwork.com. Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Uh, I'm here with my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry, and my long-suffering producer, Dan Vadabunker. Hey, nice uh, pronunciation there. Thank you. Neither um, of us are planning to murder you. So, <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, yeah, about name pronunciation, I'm just going to skip past the murder talk that we were talking about before the podcast. Um, I was in, uh, where was I? Nashville. I, I was in Nashville. And name pronunciation became a key element in my day there. I found out that everyone involved in one of these, one of these, well, in the Baby Metal Book Project was pronouncing my name incorrectly. But it was fine because I'd been pronouncing everybody else's name incorrectly as well. So somebody, uh, my publisher, in fact, who I've been working with now for like more than a year and a bit, uh, turned out I've been pronouncing his name wrong every time I introduced him to people. And oh, no. <laughs> he just he like too polite. Yeah, he was just too polite. And then when he started saying my name, he was saying it wrong, but I wasn't too polite. I corrected <laughs> him. And then I heard other people say his name, and then it turned out that I was the jerk in the whole situation. And then uh, it turns out I've been saying um, uh, Kai Kobayashi all this time, but it's actually Kay Kobayashi. And so what a great fun time of everyone correcting everyone else's pronunciations on the project. But you had the Kobayashi part right because it's... Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi like, Maru, the Star know, Trek fan in me means that I will never get that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let that be a lesson to everyone out there. Um, it's okay to pronounce a name incorrectly, but it's not okay once you've been corrected to keep pronouncing it incorrectly. And it's okay to correct people. I, I mean, I do it all the time. I'm sure you do it all the yeah. time. It's just, you know, part of having a difficult name to pronounce. Yeah. And you just have to be aware that, hey, by the way, it's, it's Vadabonker or Vadabonker or whatever you want to. Yeah, Those and, two are acceptable, not, not Vaden Bonker or whatever else. I've heard a million of them. Yeah. The only place to get it, get it right is in St. Boniface. So. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and some people, and okay, so there was uh, uh, Shreether, uh, Kay, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, everyone called her Liz, but she actually prefers Elizabeth. Everyone was calling me Greg. I prefer Gregory. Everyone was saying my name in every variation of Kamichek you can imagine except Kamichek. And so there was just this, we just had this big laugh around the table where everyone said their names properly. And we made an effort for the rest of the trip to say each other's names properly. Very nice. But uh, the reason I bring this all up is because as publishing becomes increasingly international, uh, you run into those, I, I wouldn't even call it an issue, it's just par for the course, that you're going to meet people and their names are going to be, to you, uh, exotic, but to them, pedantic, and you just have to, like, do your best. Yep. What's the worst pronunciation of your name? I, I mean, like I said, it's uh, it's been... They'll just, they'll look, the worst is actually when they go, whoa, how do you say that? Like, that's like, <laughs> a, like it's been this horrible curse my entire life of this last name that 
nobody could possibly pronounce properly. That's the worst. So I'd rather them give it a try than, than say that. Are you Mr. V at school? No. no? They call me Dan. It's a, my, my, uh, my students are adults. We do not do Mr. Miss, Miss, Ms., whatever. Um, it's Dan. So you just, Dan. there's no respect at the school. <laughs> straight, straight to No respect. That's no right. respect. All right, Justine, have you ever had any trouble with your name? Actually, yeah, Justine, actually. I don't know what it is, but when people email me, they add an E on the end of my name, and I've been called Justine like a silly amount of times. That's probably an autocorrect thing, though. Uh, yeah, just not but it's just like, it's, I don't know, that, that's a weird one. But uh, last name, Curry, is, haven't had too much problems with that one. So it's interesting, now I realize, as I'm asking you about this, like branding is a big deal for you. Oh, yeah. Does it feel like a slight to your personal brand when someone gets your name wrong? No. Well, actually, you have a kind of uh, a cool, kind of a cool benefit is everybody thinks my name is Chase. <laughs> everybody, th- like I, even people that I've known at conventions, like I keep actually, running I've into heard them people from call you that. That's like right. months and months and months of or even years of like seeing these people every weekend, and I guess we just we never really like properly introduced ourselves or if we did it we, we kind of forgot about it, and so they just assume my name is Chase and they introduce me to other people as Chase and. Now, do you, yeah. does it bother you if people get the name of your brand wrong, like, say, Chasing Artworks or something like that, or they, ch- they ch- I, I chase, chase the artwork or something like that, if they change that around? I think it's, it's versatile enough that it's, that doesn't as really... As long as there's Chase in there and Artwork yeah. in there, it's okay? The, the most common thing would be Chase Artworks, and that, like, when I started out, that was what I was calling myself, was Chase Artworks. Okay. And I'm not sure why I started off that way, and then eventually confirmed it as Chasing Artworks, and... I think it was a, a domain Artwork, thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a domain thing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. A, how many how many brand decisions have been shaped <laughs> by the availability of a domain name? Oh my God, too many. It's pronounced Frankenstein. Do you also say Frederick? No. Frederick. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. We all got well. Justin and I just got back into the studio. We haven't seen each other in a few days. We went uh, went our separate ways while we were traveling. You were where? Uh, I got into uh, Odafest. I'd been on a wait list, and I found out about six days before the show that um, they had some cancellations, and I was going to be able to attend. So it was kind of a... I was not mentally prepared to be going to another city and, and doing a show, and then suddenly it was happening. And then you were traveling. So it was kind of a, a great surprise, because I love Calgary. Um, as somebody who travels a lot now, that's an incredibly easy, low-stress oh, trip yes. for me. Calgary's an easy city. Whereas, had you talked to me like in 2010, you know, airports really stressed me out, and traveling was scary, and I hated, I hated it. Just 2010, eh? So, okay, so one of the things I wanted to talk about today was how travel can change a person mm-hmm. and like the travel aspect we've talked about like getting ready for shows but i think there's another level of it um we are in different situations in that uh uh catherine is away for you for like a month still yeah so we're, we're at the halfway mark until i see her again but, okay yeah. so you have like no dependence except for opal and she's like the easiest greatest studio dog ever and uh so no basic responsibilities at home whereas i have <laughs> um uh my lovely wife and two children waiting at home for me so every time i go away it creates a much different dynamic and i've been thinking about that more i got home yesterday from uh so i had been in nashville 
I'd flown to Toronto, stayed there for a day, then flew to Nashville, was there for two days, then came home, then went out to my family's cabin for a couple of days because my wife had, uh, you know, wasn't going to wait around for me to come home. So she took the kids out and went to her family's cabin in another part of Ontario. And so... Did you get that oil change done? We did. Yes. Okay, yeah, I did. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. Um, the uh, point I'm making here, though, is that when I come home, it's a very different scenario because it's, you know, where were you? Uh, what has needs doing? You know, like there's the parts of uh, being a dad that you have to catch up on, part of being uh, a husband that you have to catch up on, part of being a homeowner that you have to catch up on, part of being like... Um, just a halfway decent human being that you have to catch on by because you've been missing so much. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot more lately because I got home and for the first time in a long time, it was a, like it had been, the amount of travel has become a problem. It was a little too much? Yeah, it was a little too much. Like I was, you know, I was sort of fine, but the rest of the people that I had abandoned were less Well, fun. just to to kind of fill everybody in, like the last six weeks of your life, five of those, we've had events of some kind on the weekend. In some so other city, yeah. So you're gone for the weekend, and then it's that week leading up kind of gets eaten up preparing for that. So even though we're only, you know, if you look at, looked at it on paper, we're only working three days a week. Right. It's, you know, a couple dozen hours, like, prepping for that getting ready for that so those a couple of those days are are yeah eaten up as well it uh yeah but not only that you you've been traveling for non-con purposes as yeah well like you had a you went i saw i saw like all you have to do is follow his instagram story people and you can see everything that greg gregory does it's like yeah his whole life is there with uh, no notation. I, I knew everything you, you you just described i knew it all because i'd seen it on your instagram story <laughs> kind of creepy actually but um no but but you went up north for something what was that thing you went up north for with- i was in nepal yeah uh, doing outreach um for you know we had done the book david alexander robertson and i had done will i see and so we were we got invited to the uh college of the north to talk to like do some master classes basically with some kids there yep. about like how to do how to be what they, you know, can't see. Basically. And then you were, you were invited to, uh, to, is it UCLA? To, to UCLA. To do a panel yeah. there. Yeah. And then you also went to Nashville. It was not for a con, but it was to do baby metal stuff. To, yeah. So it was n- like, that's not the normal like weekend con stuff. That's that right. That was do. added on top of so the regular. That's travel. the issue, right? That, yeah. That's like, normally you're like, okay, I've got like, a, how many cons do you do? Um, how many out of town cons do you usually do about a month? Out of town cons, like in a month. Well, oh, I don't in, know. A year, in a year, year, I do about twenty five show, and, was, and I guess about twenty of those are out of town. Is that right? And just a reminder: there's only fifty two weeks in the year. That's right. I was talking to my <laughs> friend Drake <laughs> in case this I weekend, uh, and we were talking about how many shows we were doing a year, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I'm around thirty three, thirty five shows." And I'm like, that's that's more than half your weekends. There's only 52 weeks in a year. And he's yeah. like, no, there's more. There's got to be more. Oh, my God, there's got to be more. Do I work that much? Oh, my God. Drake yeah. uh, works a lot. There's more than 52 <laughs> yeah, weeks in a year. He does work a lot. Yeah. It yeah. Was, only, uh, only on the, the, the leap year, there's an extra day in there. But, I feel yeah. like I, I shattered his world. Yeah. When I, I you could say all kinds of things about the Corkalicious brand, but laziness is not one of the things that could stick. That's no. for sure. Um yeah, and it's, well, it's like you say, so I think because, you know, the purpose of our podcast is to talk about people who might want to do this kind of thing as a living, there are some, for lack of a better way to frame it, there are problems with success, 
you know like you kind of reach a bubble where um you know you're chasing that next piece and in order to do it you have to be available you have to be present you there are things you shouldn't say no to which means it takes up your time. Let me ask you this. Would it be possible... Now, you, you made the decision to leave your career as a teacher to yes. become a, an artist full-time a few years ago. Would this be possible if you did not do out-of-town shows? Like this as a job? Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. So you need, this is a part of the job. If you want, It to, is my job. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you want... And same with you, Justin. If you want to do this for a living... It, it, there's a good chance you're going to have to travel to out of town conventions and events to you sell to. your work. You have yeah. to. It's yeah. not. It's not possible. Just not even if you live, uh, we have friends who live in LA, which is you know they. If you if you want to do an event in LA every weekend, there's probably you know enough little conventions and flea markets and craft sales and stuff like that. Uh, even so, you got to you got to travel. You can't can't just stay put. Yeah, no, because and a part of it is also because local people will, uh, you know, you you've got a good local audience here, but you want to grow your audience, and the best way to do that is to to travel to other cities. Uh, so so this is a part of the job. This is something you have to put up with. And it's something that I can say that um, you know, my wife and I, my family and I, we made. You know, it wasn't a decision that we took lightly. It wasn't one we made without consultation with with each other but there is a difference between the reality and the theory right so like theoretically if you say to your uh, loved ones you know like 20 weekends of the year i'll be gone they say yeah that's probably fine but the reality of it sometimes if a number of things stack up that you like the incomparable so for example some things that had made it harder was that my son had a grievous dental injury he while i was away in the paw he fell in the playground hit his front teeth on a stump in front of him and ripped one of his teeth Ouch. roots and all right oh. out of his face oh. ow, ow, and ow. so to add to the problem the um staff at the school called my wife and said they didn't realize that you know like uh Okay, so Finley's only seven, right? They didn't realize that his two front teeth were coming in. They were not missing. They were coming in. So they called and said, he fell. He ripped out all of his front teeth. Oh, my God, there's blood everywhere. You have to get here. Like, this was how they oh. called Tara. <laughs> like, I don't mean to laugh at your son's uh, son's pain, but that's like a horrible... I can just imagine getting that call as a parent, just like, oh, exactly, my God. Exactly, right? So, <laughs> so being away is not a big deal, right? But when you have come to rely on the support of your spouse and then they are completely unavailable during a crisis and all you can do is call them and all that person in this case me can do is say oh my god oh my god that's horrible and then worry right it creates tension so we had um, a number of scenarios like that that just happened to line up with me being away so it's been like I've been away five weeks in a row and there's been like five crises that have lined up to the point where uh, Tara just said, you know what, this Friday, we're just, I'm going to take the kids out of school and we're just going to hang out together so that we can break the cycle of every Friday that you're away, something bad happens in the house or to the kids, right? You get almost superstitious about it. Are you going somewhere this weekend? No, this weekend I'm staying put. Okay, um, my <laughs> there butt, you go. Yeah, in the chair, <laughs> making pages, looking after the kids, making lunches and taking them to school like I did this morning. Yeah, for sure. Not going anywhere this weekend. and Or next weekend. I've got two weekends in a row where I don't have anything. Nice. And it shouldn't seem so shocking. True. Right? But, yeah, it's just, again, I just think it's been a bad, you know, just been a busy few weeks for you. I don't think this is going to be the norm. Or is, or is it? 
Is this no. going to be well? Like and that's year? the thing. September so, will kind of be like this again. We have like May, April, May is really busy for us. The summer is usually pretty quiet. Yeah. August, September, and October are usually pretty. Full. Those are the bonkers. And then yeah. yeah, from November to March is sleepy. It's like not much going on. So we have like three big clumps. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But I mean, I bring it up because, um, uh, you know, I I keep a pretty you know. Uh, as a family, and I think it's important to do so, we keep a pretty well-edited social media presence. You know, we, we don't leave bad news online, really. Yeah. Um, but if the podcast purpose is to help somebody else say, do I want this as a job, maybe this will prompt them to have a conversation earlier about what the real, what the real pitfalls might be, right? That, and maybe the thing to say to your spouse is, I might be missing... When a crisis happens, how will we deal with that? That's definitely not something that we had conversations about. Um, because, you know, generally speaking, uh, my wife is... don't want to is, talk about that kind of stuff. Well, no, he but is. <laughs> uh, Tara's pretty damn great in a crisis. Like, she handled... like, And there hasn't been a thing that's gone wrong that she didn't handle. But it's just the idea that when you get into a marriage, right, it's so that you can handle that stuff together. Woman. Friend. Why? Catherine's very involved when I'm planning out the schedule and she knows like how how much time I'm going to be spending away from home and she's very very supportive at first but then when it's happening you know it's it's tough being away from you know the significant other well and in your case wasn't there like a missile attack where not far from where she is in Israel right now uh, they 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 keep her they keep them pretty safe they have a lot of protection in place and when stuff like that happens they get them out of the city and they they take them on tours and distract them with the dead sea <laughs> and stuff like that um so yeah it's I'm, i'd like to say they've they've all been pretty safe have you guys thought about or talked about when um when the kiddos get a bit older going on some of these trips together i'm shaking my and head vigorously yes. how how is that conversation go like how how do you see that potentially working and well, you know, they're, they're not old enough yet to be of use, <laughs> <laughs> right? And we can laugh we can't really that. carry yeah. much around. Right. right? So <laughs> the first couple of times the the conversation has been around, if they come, you know, in the next couple of years, since they can't be of use, what use will it be to them to have come? Like what experience will they gain from it? That's positive for them, right? Yeah, so if it's just going to stress you out and then... Yeah, if it's just going to stress me out, then will I then in turn be, you know, a disengaged parent while they're there? And then will they feel like, you know, why did we have to come to this where dad's grouchy and we're bored? So instead, <laughs> the conversation is what shows can we plan to do where it will be fun and engaging for them to have an experience where they have some freedom and they have some ability to move around and, you know, like go into the city and like do things that are fun for them. And they can learn about how kind of wonderful travel can be um, and some aspect of the job that they wouldn't normally see. Kind of like a bring your kids to work day that's fun. Do you ever bring them to uh, local conventions? When you oh, go? yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, and we did actually the one show where they were so excited to come and spend the whole time at was Entercon. Yeah. <laughs> there was this little Transformer show. Uh, it may not be big, but it's small. And, and so it was the perfect... It was the perfect kind of show to bring them because it was geared for kids. It was all about Transformers. 
they were super into tra- well they still are super into transformers and like original transformers figures they just think are the coolest because they're made out of metal yeah. and they're like you know and so they spent the whole time and they were you know they were telling all their friends like oh yeah we're going to work this weekend with dad and you know we're gonna i told them they'll be helping me sell and do all that really it was just it was a small enough show that no matter what was going on i could see them wherever they were yeah so, and i could just dis- and anytime there was a like a parenting moment that was required right I disengaged from my table and I went and solved that issue. They're very well-behaved children, though, so I didn't have too much. Yeah, mine are pretty good as well in, in public. Um, they did come to FanQuest last year, and while I was like, you know, working the show, and I felt that, and I've done done this before. Whenever my my family, they don't stay for the whole day or the whole weekend, but they do come and visit and come and check out the show and stuff. And I, ha- I find I have to kind of disengage from the con and just kind of spend some time as a dad, kind of with them, looking around and stuff, um, which is not ideal if you're running a con but it's kind of like taking a break right you just take a break from everything and kind of okay i'm just going to be spending like the next hour with my family if there's anything crazy that happens let me know but um but um what i've noticed at at various cons that i've worked and organized uh a lot of a lot of vendors bring their children with them because they don't have a babysitter and they don't want to you know it's fun for the kids but then they all kind of gravitate towards the video game that's true (laughs) and i remember one in particular where i was i was i was running this kind of video game area and it was just basically became like the daycare (laughs) it was like all these kids just hanging out there and it was like i guess this is fine but you know so there's a there's a there's like a i feel like there's a space at shows that doesn't exist that could exist a bunch of we are by the way we are look we are working on a kids area for fan quest we're gonna have them doing all kinds of fun stuff oh that's cool fan art and cardboard cosplay and stuff like that so the kids can actually you know just uh do some actual One pro tip for anybody, dear listeners, who is planning on doing shows and thinks, oh, you mean I can bring my kids Uh, most during the load in period before the show? um, Kids are not allowed. Yeah, that's not a great time to bring kids. Because there's forklifts and cars and trucks and things cruising around on the show floor and an unattended child. That's a danger. Yes. So if you have a child with you, they will, you know, have to leave it. So they'll have to stand by the door or they'll have to stay at the booth. There's no wandering around that can be done with a small child so no unattended children uh during load-in but traveling you know there's a whole other you know you bring it up flying with kids to a show would be i think problematic at best well it's it's expensive one of the things we've learned about traveling with a family is that to fly somewhere we've done it we went to florida a couple of years ago it, it is like way more expensive than obviously flying as a couple or flying by yourself uh, we do weigh the options of okay can we drive this every time we tr- look at going somewhere we we consider the road trip aspect of it and more more often than not we'll do the road trip just because it takes longer but it, it is just more cost effective and it's but i also manage my f- fatigue during travel time so you know, shows are long and they take a lot of energy. So leading up to a show, I usually sleep in the airport. I sleep on the plane. Yeah, yeah. I sleep in the cab. Can't do that with kids. Like, no, and if you're, no. you know, managing family on the way, then you're going to arrive somewhat. At least I would arrive with yeah, half w- the Whenever you power. travel with the family, uh, especially if it's flying, um, you arrive at your hotel and you just like, oh, I just wanted to just pass out and turn on, you know, Cartoon Network for the kids and, and have a nap or something. You kids! Can't keep your heads to yourself. I'm gonna turn this car around and there'll be no Cape Canaveral for anybody. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. I went to Nashville, which have you ever been to Nashville? I've not. Have you been to Nashville? Okay, so for the two Canadians in the room, I'll describe Nashville to you. 
All right. Are we all Canadians? Yes. What's yeah. Well, but not all our listeners are Canadians. Oh, okay. So okay. I'm just giving them some context here. Um, Nashville is Winnipeg, right? Feels like Winnipeg by way of Vancouver, set in southern Ontario. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. Right? That is Nashville, and then on top of that, party buses and uh, like so many. Uh, what's the word? Bachelorette parties. Like bachelorette <laughs> parties, like to the point of almost nausea. There are so many bachelorette parties. Could be the time of year, though. It could just be this time of year. No, I was told on the way. There were three bachelorette parties on the plane on the way to Nashville. I was on the plane, and the stewardess said, "Yeah, all the flights to Nashville are always like this. That this has become a thing huh. in Nashville." And I thought, aha, that's so funny. And then we were all over different parts of the city. And everywhere we'd turn, another bachelorette party would come out of some venue or some place in various states of disarray. <laughs> and uh, Wow. But isn't it like, I know that maybe the stereotype is country music, but I know it's, it is the capital of country music. Isn't it is. It? Like, yeah, Willie Nelson music. played while we were there. But uh, it also is just a, uh, there's a lot of great recording studios there, a lot of famous ones. Um, and it's sort of a hub of music in general. Okay, not just country. Okay. Right. And so I was there for the uh, baby metal concert. So what's the baby metal concert crowd like? What's the... Okay, so yeah. So I was there. F- I had no idea what to expect because exactly like you said, Nashville in my mind is a country music hub. So who will show up for baby metal? Right. How will that be? Baby metal, by the way, dear listeners, the reason I was in Nashville, it was the closest place between, you know, Japan and Winnipeg, where I could meet with uh, Kei Kobayashi and uh, talk about the project. So that's why Nashville. The crowd was, I had to say. So I'll just give you a little bit of a story here. So we arrive at the venue and there is a lineup like two blocks long and there are people just you know, and it, like five people deep, it's just hungry for baby metal, which was cool to see. Uh, and we were walking past that line. And so first they were kind of annoyed at us. Because were you we thinking were... about the eventual merch table while you were walking? No, so I was not <laughs> immediately thinking about that. No, I, what I was thinking about. Not in a greedy way, just like in a, an exciting. Well, you know. okay, but this is why I was excited. So there's a certain demographic of people who show up to my table at shows and as I'm walking, I'm seeing sort of like, quote Your unquote, people? those people, my people are all in this lineup. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, this is amazing. And so I turn uh, to Sridhar and I say, like, these are my people. Oh, I'm so excited. Like, you know, they haven't seen any artwork from the book, but these are the kind of people who would show up at my table and be excited. And he looks at me with this like, you know, like this dry, calm. I told you so. He's like, yeah, well, there's a reason we picked you. <laughs> right like we didn't just throw a stone the reason your work came up is because we believe that it pairs nicely with the aesthetics that the crowd will also appreciate and i'd never felt so like proud and also like maneuvered at the same time it was like a weird <laughs> you know it's like how i'm sure people with actual talents right feel like placed in front of a crowd and then there, it was it was really neat. So anyway, we go into the we go into the venue and everyone is just like so excited and there are tons of kids there too. So all these metalheads with their kids on their shoulders and yeah. their kids have like these big, 
ear protecting headphones and is the one thing I thought was like oh my god look at all these kids I hope they're thinking about their oh of course they are because they go to metal shows so they know to protect their kids ears and there they are all wearing them up on their shoulders and I thought that was a really like I've been to a lot of a lot of music shows and uh it's very rare that like at a metal show that there's going to be the parents bringing their kids to all you don't see that a lot no 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 and so that was a really like unintended benefit of the whole thing was uh seeing that and then uh there was a moment where they just played like a single riff in the guitar and the entire crowd starts singing like in (laughs) japanese right (laughs) right along with the like it was i was blown away I was blown away. Like people really were into it. They really dug it. It was not like people had come for the curiosity of like, what is this? But these were people who were fans, like hardcore fans. Um, there were great pains taken. We originally had this VIP uh, seating just to, I guess, stage left where we had like right up close to the band we would have been. But then um, Kay came out and saw us and said, you know, um, are you happy with these seats? in a way that meant that we knew that he wasn't happy with these seats for us, you know? And he says like, you will be, you know, you've, you'll feel special and close to the band here, but you won't, uh, uh, like this was through a translator. So uh, uh, Yasu was explaining to us like, you'll see the band up close, but you won't experience the story from this vantage point. And so they moved us to seats that were above the sound booth. So we had like, right in the center, about midway up, and we got to see the whole show from that. So you could see the lights, you could see the smoke, you could see the choreography. And the show is layered with, you know, there was like a, there was like kung fu, and there's like battling guitars, and there's uh, just, or I guess it would be karate. It would be karate. Uh, yeah, I was karate. just you, but. <laughs> uh, And this elaborate visual story that's being told by all these moving parts on the stage. And so I was very thankful that we got this vantage point it was really quite special but the uh stares of the people when they would recognize you know who he was and try to figure out who the heck we were (laughs) as if we were somehow special and we weren't that special we're just a couple of graphic novelers right uh that was an interesting you know experience i got that with isquay a little bit when we were doing will i see uh i saw a show uh, I got invited to a show of theirs in Toronto and I was on the list as if I was with the band, right? So I come up backstage, like, who are you? Cause they know everyone in Isquay's crew. So they were like, you know, who are you? And they were like, oh, he's with the band. Well, what does he do? And like, he draws and they just like scratch their head and let me in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, interesting thing. There's like music and comics fans like i've been well i mean you you run a show called fan quest like the idea of fandom has become a cultural phenomenon that i don't think any of us were ready for when we were young no and it's funny you mentioned that because i started i tried to well let's see how this goes um you guys have seen like the things on facebook where people say 10 albums in 10 days these are the 10 so we're doing something with fan quest where we do 10 10 fandoms and i think i tagged you in the Post right. this morning about it. You don't have to do it if you don't want to, but um, oh, but I've been called out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But, but the idea is that instead of ten albums, is ten fandoms. So you, ten fandoms 
that stayed with you throughout your life. And I started with Star Trek, and so I'm going to be posting a different one every day. And we're in, what were they called? Insectors? Insect. Insector, uh, I think that's what it was insectors. called. Insectors. Insectors. Is that a toy? I remember the the toys. Yeah, okay, they were also toys. help me out. Um, there incredible. used to be the Winnie the Pooh hour, and there was the some <laughs> bears. How did you get there? Gummy bears. Gummy bears. Gummy oh, yeah, yeah, bears. Was it actually gummy bears? It was they, gummy bears. They were here and there and everywhere. Gummy man. juice and yep. high adventure. That's beyond compare. There's a cover of they that theme the song. Um, there's a one that I think it was a like Conan O'Brien. The singer is blanking. Alicia Keys does a cover of that song. Really? The Gummy Bears theme song. It's so good. Look yeah. that up on YouTube. I know yes. why you just brought up like phantoms that stuck with you your whole life. And yes. I'm just thinking like, what do I remember from back in my childhood? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Like, and then the Gummy Bears and Winnie the Pooh Hour was like a big one too. And of course there's others, but I don't know. For sure. For sure yeah. The fan, the and, and certainly uh, Baby Metal would be one of those phantoms as well. Like, and you know, I, I, I think of everything other than sports, as, <laughs> although sports is a phantom as well. We just had in the city here, a big, oh my God, yeah, uh, a uh, we have actually, it's, I find it quite refreshing that every time I come over here to do a podcast with you guys, nobody ever mentions the jets. And I oh, no. <laughs> so well, you guys you. aren't sports fans, but the, for the last couple of months here in Winnipeg, we've had our hockey team go very deep into the NHL playoffs. And it's been a really big deal everywhere. Um, and that's that's a sports fandom, but I'm thinking of fandoms outside of sports. It has been pretty inspiring to see how much the city got swept up in it. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. It's now true. now there's still like the Go Jets Go signs all over the city. And, like, <laughs> but then now they just seem sad. Yeah, yeah. They do. I mean, take them down, man. Yeah. It's done. I'm, they I should was, just change the hashtag, hashtag to No Jets I wanted no. to ask that. Went <laughs> Jets went. If this is California and down here's Texas, it must be like... Uh, Arizona, maybe. Want to be driven. Arizona, maybe. And so, like, you know, fandom as a, like, experience. You can, like, you enter it and you leave it around the hype. Yeah. Right? And so there's this, so one of my, like, my reticence around doing this uh, Baby Metal project with such a rabid fandom is that, you know, the project is to keep the creative process sort of safe has been shrouded in secrecy low these many months. And uh, the first image, you know, this podcast will be out after the announcement where we show the first image from the book will be released on social media uh, tomorrow. And so uh, there have been a large number of pre-orders for the book with only the title and my name attached they have no idea what's inside of it and so my fear is of course that you'll have these thousands of people who pre-ordered this book see the work and say oh do you want uh, sam oh, no. and i to like go through the reactions and filter them for you no 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 because i have a long way to go before <laughs> the book is finished or or maybe if i would i would recommend you you just leave it alone like don't that don't might, check that, on that, it yeah i'm not gonna check it. my plan is to be try to be just as insulated it. Yeah, from just, it as possible yeah. because i have a lot of work yet to do uh i've i've heard that andrew lincoln who plays uh, rick grimes on the walking dead yeah has never watched one of his performances really he never watched himself because he he's worried it's going to affect his uh-huh. performance so maybe that's you don't don't look at the well and the this comments. is the first time so like normally with my work um i'm a shameless self-promoter Right, you and I are both like this. Like we work on something. It's part of the job. Yeah, it's yeah. part of the job. You work on it, and because you're excited about a piece you've done, you share it in you know in your social media, and you get some feedback. But those people aren't necessarily. Uh, 
how do I frame this? The people who are following me on social media up until now have been people who followed me on social media before my work was known at all. Most of them. Okay. Right? And so they've been invested in the process of getting somewhere. Now we have all of these um, like sort of wonderful engaged fans arriving uh, almost like tourists onto the social media to see and find the specific items and none of them are there at, right now. And so it's been this very strange place for me as a uh, creative person because I normally would not be affected by response on social media because the decisions are already made. The book is already finished. I'm sharing stuff for people. No problem. But here we're going to be releasing some images before the final images are made. And the amount, you know, anytime some news breaks about the, about baby metal, my phone blows up with stuff. So I have to, I'm, you know, I think tomorrow will be the day that I turn off all those notifications and just try to like be in a bubble making the work as best that I can um, and I guess my question then is to you Justin you have a fan base that it's a you know at least as active and at least as activated some days how do you you know you've been in this position more often than mm -hmm. I have I've just eyes on you yeah like on like internet wise yeah um, what do you how like? To deal. Are you Give getting like kind of the the reactions, the feedback, like how that affects one way or another? Yeah, like having Positive it never happened to me, I actually don't even know what to ask. So, discuss. Uh, I I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to think of like specific examples. So, like you posted something. Remember, I think one of the first things I saw of yours that went huge viral was something that Stan Winston Studios reposted of yours stan winston studios really enjoyed my robotic redesigns of i had the event a lineup of the avengers and a lineup of uh batman and some some villains redesigned as robots and so they they spent like a solid like couple of months like posting like one at a time and then like the lineup so it, like it got me a huge amount of attention um it's it's always like it's it's like 99 percent positive stuff but those three negative comments are the ones you remember. Oh, for okay, sure. so and that for really sure. bothers me. It doesn't bother me as much anymore because right. I've I've talked myself down in my mind that like, why do you care about that? Like, and it's usually yeah. a person who's just trying to elicit a response. It's somebody who's just trying to rile up the comment section of a popular post, right? Yeah. Um, they're just they're having fun with the internet. Um, but you're absolutely right about that. Anything I've ever done um, that I put on, on social media, all it takes is one negative comment to kind of bring you down. You can have overwhelming positive response yeah. from everybody. And then there's the one person saying something. And it might not even be like, it might be a genuine comment, but that would be like, oh, man. And it just it just kills you. And I've, I've spoken to other people about this as well. And I don't know, maybe it's just human nature that we just kind of p cling to the negative um, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much positive you get. There's just one negative can kill the whole thing for you. It's so, so silly. I definitely recommend, recommend turning off because I think I, I predict that the overwhelmingly the response will be positive to your to the images being released, Greg. But I think that there will be there inevitably is some negativity from somewhere, and uh, I would rather you not look at that. Right. Where uh, <laughs> like what platforms will this? I guess this is going to be released like all everywhere. over yeah yeah there's but a I, long list of media outlets that will receive it and you know like music outlets and you know like when the book was uh, announced uh, hollywood reporter picked up the story like a whole bunch of you know 
far outside of regular comic land was uh, talking about it, and I got a lot of messages as a result. I'm going to ask you a FanQuest related question. Uh, are you going to be able to sell prints of this image at FanQuest? No, I oh, am not. No, okay. no. I will be able it, to though. show that image though. Like the okay. images that are released. Um, so there's a there's a new official uh, Instagram, Twitter, and some social media related specifically to the graphic novel, and so um, there will be a measured release of those images. Um, and as those are released officially, then we'll be able to, I'll be able to show those sort of in person to people, but uh, not for sale. Okay. And part of that is, um, it's not that, you know, like no one from Amuse or no one from Baby Metal said, like, you can't sell your original work, you know, technically in my contract, the original pieces I could sell. Um, for me, it's that I don't sell works in process. Like if right. the book isn't finished, um, giving away a piece of it to me. I don't know if it's just a silly superstition or what, but it it means that some of it is out there instead of here where it's supposed to be being yeah, built. You don't release the introduction to a film before the film is complete, right? You don't, you don't, you know. And yet, you don't want to sell. <laughs> you don't want to be selling like clips of the like actual yeah, yeah, cells yeah. of the film framed up <laughs> before before, yeah. before it's done. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, I have been contacted by some collectors asking me for specific pages. I've been uh, people have been asking me about, you know, can you share more of your process sketches? You know, people see doodles that I post on my Instagram and say, oh, is this from baby metal? And, um, you know, only the Fox God knows the answer to some of those things. But um, the official sort of curated images it's again it sounds funny because it's not you know and i just spent a weekend in nashville talking to the all the people who are making these decisions it's not really about some sort of hype building it's that the show itself which is different from many you know musical groups has a narrative built in to the stage show that changes from show to show and some of that narrative is present in the graphic novel. So if I, if we release some of that stuff in the wrong order, it's sort of like releasing part of a serialized story out of order. And yeah. um, to be involved in something that has this overarching creative umbrella is really cool because it's not like a licensed project. Like, uh, for example, uh, you know, we're talking hockey earlier. Like if the NHL came to me and said, do an NHL, you know, graphic novel, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but should that have happened, right? There you would be, typically there would be a brand package. There would be a paper copy of the do's and don'ts of the colors you can use of the ways you can show people. There would be this hard copy, um, list to manage the brand. In this case, as an artistic process, there is, there isn't that. There are conversations surrounding the themes, the ideas, the central process of um, baby metal as a concept. And it's more like, you know, weaving together some bits of a dream than it is about following a corporate brand, which, uh, dear listeners, is the greatest part of this project that I did not anticipate. If it had been the other thing, if it had been that brand package, I mean, I told the publisher right up front, um, if it's that way, then I'm not interested in doing it. Um, mm. I would like to do a project that has some artistic license available. Um, unfortunately, that might put me in the crosshairs of people who think I get it wrong. No, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's a way you can get it wrong. 
from from your perspective. I think of uh, in terms of uh, this whole fandom thing uh, conversation has reminded me of Pablo Hidalgo, who is one of our guests at FanQuest, and he is somewhat of a brand ambassador for Star Wars. Um, he works for Lucasfilm. He is part of their their story group, their central story group that makes decisions about the way the story, all the different stories are going for everything for the comic books, the video right. games, everything. And so, and he is on Twitter. Uh, but he, man, he faces a lot of backlash on Twitter for a lot of different things, especially like The Last Jedi, which was the probably the most divisive Star Wars movie ever right. made. This is not going to go the way you think. When a property gets to a certain size, or maybe I'll frame it a different way, at what point do the fans own the property? Never. But wait. Have they not created its fame in the first place? Yes. And does that not give them some responsibility and some agency? Is it not? This is, I'm, you know, I'm being a devil's advocate here, but is it not, in a way, a type of democracy? They've voted with their dollars to create a thing, and so they have the capacity to weigh in and have a say. They they could weigh in. They can give their opinion, but the 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 creators of the the uh, property are not in any way. Um, obligated to listen to them. No, absolutely. They're not obligated to listen, but people are entitled to that voice. I absolutely. Think. No, everyone's yeah. entitled to their opinion, but what are they, what's the saying? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a bit of a problem that... You should, there's a different saying. Hold on. You give everyone your ear, but only a few people your voice. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. There you go. There's less swearing in mine. Yeah. <laughs> A bit of a problem that I have with, um, I, I think about both Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. They keep making new things about them, like video games and uh, even movies and stuff like that. A uh, bit of a problem I have is that they can't stray from the core concept art and the core designs from like decades ago. Like I, the new, the new Star Wars movie that came out, there wasn't really any original designs in there. Like the, the, you know, most creative thing they did was the AT-AT now has a bigger foot, you know? Right. They can't create that much new content, original, like, designs and content. And same with, like, Lord of the Rings. There's so many games where the enemies are the five or six enemies that you've seen from the movies. There's the cave trolls and orcs and the spiders, and they can't create anything new because it's such a, a strict branding package, what you right. were just talking about. You can't really create these new monsters or new characters or new vehicles because we don't want to stray too far away from what we did so decades something ago. that i am allowed to say about the project is that one of the edicts is the opposite on this baby metal project is that um i think is how you it's why i'm excited it's yeah. you know it's like what new okay so story and um Story, content, and for lack of a better word, the spirit of the story, that's not up to me. But the certain elements along the way, if I am struck with an inspiration about how something should look or how something should feel or some pacing, uh, I am encouraged to run with that feeling and submit those pages. And if they match the feeling, then they're accepted, even though they're technically off script. And that is a like a tremendous freedom. Now, every now and then, you miss the mark, and so you have some you have to redo it. But that is a uh, tremendous amount of freedom. Like, I don't have a style guide. Yeah. 
right for um the elements in the story you know like there are there are parameters i have strict rules to follow which uh, i look forward to once the book is out telling everyone what they were and people can figure out like what twists and turns we took as a result of some rules within the storytelling but uh from a creation of an imagery um one of the rules is don't do something that we've seen before like don't rehash something from a video don't rehash something from a stage show like the fans have already seen that they already in some regards they've paid for that already so if we just give that back to them it does them a disservice and i think that that's a brave position i agree to be in i agree i think that in, in the case of if they were to do that i think i wish they would do that with star wars or with another one of these properties and so we could see something different you know um i agree with you justin i think that they're they're a little bit hemmed in by what's already been created they're not just it's a little stale right? yeah like yeah. I, I, just, I don't yeah. feel like i've seen a new world we, we in only, the star wars universe so many so many different kinds of stormtroopers you know yeah yeah see everybody but uh no and if I, the that's mythology great... is so rich why not let it yeah be no, that's a great idea the universe is a big place yeah well, and the, you know, it's so funny to be saying sentences like this, but the universe of baby metal is actually a, is so much bigger than what has been seen. Mm-hmm. And the, the uh, you know, I just, you know, it's really cool to be involved in something that's at a pivotal stage where they're <laughs> adding stuff to it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, but also scary. Don't do a poor job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Don't ruin baby metal, <laughs> Greg. Part of my job as a studio mate is keeping your head a little smaller. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, but it's true. I was going to make true. a joke about the outro when you when you get ready to wrap this up in a second. You can say this has been super pulp science, where we talk about how baby metal is made because it seems to be yeah or unmade <laughs> or unmade. Ouch! Oh no, my fears. I'm realized. sure you're going to do a fine job. Fears realized. No, no, but the thing is that here, like this is what I was trying to say earlier. There's no way uh, the only people you have to please are the are the people that you're working for they're the ones who are paying you they're the ones who are they're the ultimate judges clearly they know their audience and they know that the people who go to baby metal concerts are the same people that are your people to come to your booth they know their audience they know what they like they've made a great decision in hiring you so don't worry about it well i will say this that um you said, you know, the people I'm working for. I'm working for I'm working for another publisher right now, and it feels like I'm working for them. Uh, mm. This trip felt like I was working with people. It did That's not awesome. feel like, shut up and do what we say. Um, it felt more like, what do you have to bring to the table? And that was, you know, quite Refreshing. gratifying. That's the way to work. Yep. Yeah. How's uh, your owl book? Owl book is uh, very, very close to being done. I've uh, what percentage? Uh, Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. So last week, I I pretty much completed work on Ollie and the Missing Who's. Yes, Ollie and the Missing Who's. I keep getting the title wrong because so we changed it a couple times. But it's a sequel to Quackers Wants to Fly, a uh, story about a duck going around the pond. He's he's impatient to learn how to fly, so he asks all the other flying animals how they learned. Um, one of the characters he asked was an owl. And uh, so in the second book... Spoiler alert, in the end, he doesn't learn how to fly. He <laughs> drowns in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to work on kids' books in the studio because Greg always has the most morbid twists and turns he wants integrated in. I just want it to be real, Justin. <laughs> I just want some realism. Um, but the second book, because I, I believe in the project and I, I love the, uh, the author I've been working with, Susan Wolf. 
um, I've taken on uh, Ollie as like a partner. I'm I'm doing my I'm doing the work for free, and I'm paying for half the print run. So you started as an employee, and yeah, and then you bought into the company. Yeah, I bought into the company. So the first book, I was being paid for my time, and when I was done, I was done. And uh, the the terrible repercussions there were when the book went to a publisher, and decisions were made past my my work being completed. Uh, things went very, very wrong, and I wish I'd been involved and, and had a say, but I didn't. Um, and at the end of the day, that publisher is no longer involved, and I got back involved, and now I think things are on track. So I'm excited to have this second uh, book as part of the series, um, because when we go to Comic-Cons, our graphic novels do quite well, but when we go on book tour... Quackers dominates our sales. Yeah, Quackers is the silver bullet. <laughs> if wow. we go to a bookstore, yeah. if we go to a bookstore, nobody cares about Cassie and Tom, yeah, and, Water, and Infinitum, none of that. No, Give no. me Quackers. No, it's people <laughs> scan the table and they'll see everything there from you know time travel, murder, occult stuff, uh, adventure story. Ooh, a duck. <laughs> <laughs> What's this book about a duck? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Quackers flies off the table. I can tell you that. Yeah. So I'm probably, yeah, I'm chatting with Sue. Uh, we're going to phone. She's based in Chicago, so we, we Skype or we phone like once a week. And uh, so she's she's seen the pretty much the final artwork. So we're going to go over just the last couple changes, and then we're going to get our editor, Sam Biko, to do a once-over as well. And then I think we're pretty much ready to hit print. Whoa. And we're printing locally as well, which is nice because I'll be able to do press checks. Go do checks the press and, check. Yeah. Hey, my kids were asking about coming to do a press check. I was yeah. telling them how that all runs. Maybe this is the right book for it. Absolutely. We're yeah. doing an art book bindery for this one, so it'll be like in town. It's not oh, even, that's a, even better. Yeah, not yeah. even a road trip. Um, Very exciting. What? Just realized that I can't say what I was just the story I was just going to tell. <laughs> I can't tell you, but uh, I'll tell you when the can when the mics are off. Well, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we have talked about how uh, baby metal is made, and we are encouraging you to join the fight and make comics.